yada yada, it's me, Fats Crendel. I'm a pool shark. Watch me do a trick shot. Got it in the hole. Yada yada yada. <laughs> so this is the dynamic we're working with today. That's oh, ho, ho. I'm dynamic in the pool hole, hitting the balls. Watch. Did it again. I feel like this is a really confident way for us to be announcing that Jim has left position and been replaced. It's I, bold. I, I think, yeah, just jumping right into it is a really confident move on our part. Hey, blah, blah, blah. It's me, Fats Crendel. I, I wonder if this this uh, this new guest we have on the show has an identity outside of their own name, because it seems like their name is a lot of the character. It does, it does uh, give the sort of sense. Well, I mean, Fats... You know, that's Fats Minnesota related. We were Minnesota Fats. There's a famous pool hustler. Uh, and so the billiards connection is right there. I've never fucking heard of Minnesota Fats. We don't say that name around here. I think he was the inspiration for the hustler, actually. It's me, everybody. The friendly pool hustler. Watch me do a shot. That's an ollie! I, I love that we've brought on someone that does that does trick shots, a very visual medium to be our new uh, co-host. Hey! Yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. I think it was an inspired move to bring somebody in that's entirely focused on analog physical gaming as opposed to video games. Yeah. We're broadening. Yeah, about 80% of the show is going to become just... Watching trick shots. The audio of very... The, the audio of trick shots, not watching them, just blah, hearing them. Blah, 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 blah. I've not developed since the 70s. Here we go again with another trick shot. Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. I did a birdie. Ah, oh, can you do birdies in, in, in whatever sport you're doing? You can if you're fat scrando. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's what happens when I remember Minnesota Fats exists Like five minutes before we record That's enough now, goodbye What was it? Fats, Fats Crendel yeah. Hey, I'm going away now I'm going, how far can I get from the mic to simulate this? Hey, yeah, yeah, the... The, the, the audience feedback came in really, really fast. We got real-time feedback, and, and, and Fats Crendel just wasn't working out. So, reluctantly, we've gone and brought Jim back to the show. Uh, I don't know. Something not working out on this podcast has not stopped us before. No. <laughs> in fact, we do it more. Oh, but anyway, that was Fats Crendel, uh, a deeply unpopular new character on this. And, and I do apologise that, that we did focus... Uh, very heavily on billiards <laughs> as opposed to telling you whether your favorite games are great or perfect um so that'll do for that we we will never do fats crendel again i might say the i might say fats crendel a lot though because it's very good to say it is fun to say yeah it's a very satisfying like mouth feel i'm going to i'm going to put this screwdriver back in the drawer did did you have a screwdriver out to be Fats Crendel? Oh well, yeah, how did how did you think I simulated those authentic <laughs> billiard sounds? I... <laughs> it's in the draw now. It's in the draw. Oh. I can't, can't do no more trick shots. Oh no! How will this podcast survive? How will we go on? Where do we go from here? You know, every week, I think we can't find a, a worse way to, like, kick this whole thing off. And every week, I'm surprised. Oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even halfway down the barrel yet, <laughs> let alone the bottom. Oh, things are going to get much worse. Oh, God, what a, great, what a great show this is. Genuinely, what a great podcast this is. Hey, I consistently have fun showing up to do hey, this podcast, it. so, you know, it could be worse. Oh, it, I mean, I think we've said before, if you weren't here, Laura, it would be worse. <laughs> because I've, I've got the organisational skills of a stone. And I'll let anything happen, so... <laughs> yeah, Con Conrad is basically an enabler, and, and it's mostly his fault whenever things go off the rails. Uh, in fact, you should all be angry at him and never at me. <laughs> oh, God, right, I'm going to well, get a lot of angry email now. <laughs> same time next week. We've, we've had a really good show. 
Hey, hey, Jim, we can't leave yet. We've not told the people whether their favourite video games oh, are perfect shit. or great yet. Uh, let me check the notes. Uh, this week, perfect. That's wonderful. Oh, all, all of them got perfect this week. Round of applause for the listeners for having great taste, because that's yeah. what it's all about at the end of the day. Yes, because only your favourite games got perfect. The ones that aren't your favourite this week, are oh, they only got great. Yeah, yeah. Is there any game you didn't like this week? This is great. <laughs> Oh. Mm-hmm. So I finished Shenmue 3 this week Oh yeah, what do you reckon the old uh, Shenmue 3? I I don't think I'd finished it last week if I remember right No, so, I don't um, think so Yeah, hmm. how, how do I put this? So my overall thoughts have changed not in the slightest It is... It is... Hmm, it is faithful to the original game to a huge fault Because the things that made that game interesting and exciting and fascinating nearly 20 years ago are no longer interesting. Like, games have moved past there. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, I'm glad I finished it. Because, and I find this fucking hilarious, this this doesn't end the story of the main character. No, this was... This, this was barely known. gives any conclusion to the... St- well, I know that there were some vague quotes a while back going, oh yeah, he's got plans for... 40%. No, 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 you don't understand. Like... There was a, there was an interview. He said this is gonna give you forty percent of his story. Yeah, but like, here's the thing. I knew I was expecting that to mean in the way that like the original Star Wars trilogy is technically thirty percent of the Star Wars story that you I mean. expected a wrap up to the story as presented. I was expecting the current bit of narrative to wrap up <laughs> and it to set up a new narrative maybe and go, that'll be what's next, you know, when I get my next trilogy. Yeah, close the book on this chapter of of Ryu, but... Yeah, no, no. no. The, the, it barely fucking moves the needle <laughs> on the plot. So, so what happens is we now know that there's a mystic subplot where the two mirrors oh, can't have them together. Um... And he spends a lot of time running around a village, and then he goes to a town, and he runs around a town a lot, and then he discovers, ah, we have not stopped the mystic subplot. Spoiler! Well, I guess another game! It literally fucking nothing happens. It just feels like a setup for Shenmue 4. Do they... Now, some people will take this the wrong way, but them lot, Eastnet, who make the, the, the Shenmue series... Yeah. Do they know how to make a video game? Like they they get don't get me wrong. <laughs> they make digital worlds that you can fuck about in. And some people enjoy it. But do they know how to make an actual satisfying video game? Well, I mean, I think it is satisfying to people. Like I'm not hearing a ton of outroar about, you know, or outrage about this, you know, happening. I I think the reason why mechanically it's not like no one's outraging about it is the kind of people who they have Stockholm syndrome mm. from playing yeah. their Shenmue syndrome maybe we call it yeah yeah like I imagine you've either got Shenmue syndrome or you probably were never going to pick Shenmue three up in the first place I mean that's it like yeah. even even myself who might there there's potential content in me covering it but i just can't be fucked yeah and that's i think that's okay like it clearly has an audience it is satisfying that audience i'm not gonna shit on that i'm not gonna play it either yeah like i i i am i have fallen into that camp where i'm like i found the the originals interesting at the time and now i could not care less Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't think you suzuka's ever made a video game and I'm, i'm gonna keep saying it just to be a dick that that that's my way of having my own fun with Shenmue as a series, ah. and no one can take that away from me. Well, now that I've finished it, I can officially conclusively say Shenmue Three is great, not perfect, but great. Well, that's a lot more conclusive than the Shenmue games have ever been. <laughs> I tell you what, like I've not seen any major outrage about it, but. I've not seen anything about it. Yeah. So I really do think that it was made for that particular audience. They are playing it and enjoying it, and the rest of the world has just moved on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was a a shock and surprise and, like, you know, unexpected upset that <gasps> a new Shenmue game isn't setting the world on fire. Ah! Well, yeah. 
absolutely par for the course. It was never a massively big series. It was a niche thing back in the day before it took a two-decade hiatus. Yeah. And and I'm sure Shenmue 4 will be another two decades unless they can scrabble, uh, scrabble together more money that the game won't make back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyone else played anything that's less meh than Shenmue? Well, I... Uh... I started playing Kingdoms of Amalur again. Yeah. That's a great game. It is a great game. And like I it's something that I I didn't finish it. Uh I played it on Xbox 360. I played a considerable amount of it and I really enjoyed it, but I I don't have the 360 hooked up now and mm. I'm not going to like drag it out just to play Kingdoms of Amalur? No, did you not consider trying to see if it was backwards compatible on your Xbox One? Oh, I don't have an Xbox One either. <laughs> yeah, good, so. good. N- no, neither does anyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it uh, it's in the steep sale for like five bucks. So yeah. I grabbed That's it yesterday. well worth it. Absolutely. And I mean, it is, it's certainly a last gen game. In fact, I haven't played a game that in a long time that really like oh yeah things have progressed since the last generation you know i think a lot of times we get to thinking about you know like in terms of graphics and textures and it's not like a big deal it's not a big advance but boy is that camera in tight on the back of that character Mm. Uh, you know and like whereas in a more recently you know game developed in the last five years you'd have much more distance you'd have much broader field of vision oh. for a third person action game the the only uh newish video game i can think of that being in a problem at the moment is the demo build i played for that final fantasy 7 remake Ooh, that camera's pulled in too close and it wasn't i don't think a problem at the time necessarily i think it was just indicative yeah. of what things were oh yeah standard shift and then when we go back to stuff it's it's a little more difficult to yeah look past it yeah yeah and, and it's fine like it still plays very well the combat is you know it's made more challenging by the fact that you can't keep all of your enemies that are surrounding you within your field of vision, but it, it works. That's not yeah. that much of an issue. Uh, and it's fun to do. But the, for me, it was always like, this is a, such a systems heavy game uh, in terms of crafting and so forth. And like, you can craft all these weapons and it's really more about like developing your equipment over time for me than developing the character over time and the set i mean you know the setting whatever uh like it's kind of remarkable how good the game has to be to have a fantasy setting and i want to play it yeah and this has a fantasy setting and it is striking like visually it's really interesting the animations again for the period of time in which they were made are great uh it's it's vibrant it's interesting uh to look at uh you know it's a lot of factions and organizations and you know rich lore that i really will not care about in the end i'm just going to wind up making a rogue with poison daggers that kill things really really good and that's the satisfaction that i'm going to wind up getting out of it but it's it's a really realized thing, and it's the kind of game that, you know, I really... It's a, such a tragedy what happened to 38 Studios yeah. that there couldn't be another one, because I think another Kingdoms of Amalur right now by this team that made this one could be awesome. That'd be all over it. Yeah, like... That that game has taken a little time to, to sort of blossom and for people to really pick up on what it had to offer. But I think, totally, if, a, if another one were to release now, there would be a lot more excitement behind it than perhaps there was around this one when it came out. Well, it, it, it seemed very sudden, too. I respect and respect my character in that game. Oh, that's the other thing, too. It's so flexible. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't stop. I just... I'm, I'm indecisive by nature. And I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Just constantly mixing and matching the, the character builds. It was so good. As a loot-based game, which it very much is, it deals with inventory craft really effectively. It is so simple to just junk items. Mm. And it's very apparent in the UI how you do that right away. It's just clearly designed menus. That's 
that's one element where we have gone a bit backwards because some of these looter shooters and stuff that have come out loot is almost fatiguing mm-hmm. to the point where I, I reach a point with the game where I don't even pick them up like pick stuff up anymore yeah yeah you you don't want to have to have a a job in game which is sitting and sifting through all of the near identical things you've picked up yep yeah yep it's it very clearly conveys information uh, comparison is really good like that whole ux is really really great um so yeah I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with that and just sort of appreciating the craftsmanship that's gone into it it's it's a really good game uh and for five bucks you know i would grab that pc version right now um if you don't have it yeah so yeah that's that's what I, i've been playing that and i've also been playing more auto knots and and that's just a a nightmare, uh, convoluted challenge. It's just nothing wrong with the design. It's everything's my fault. And I look at him like, great, now I have to redesign all of this. And, and it is like, it's accommodating as it can be. But boy, have I really screwed some things up. And it's uh... so, yeah, anyway, still having fun with it. But it's like 20 minutes at a go. And then I get exhausted and I go do something else. I, I always find games like that really stressful. Any kind of game where I might fuck something up and not realise until much, much, much later that like, oh no, everything's irreparably fucked because of a choice I didn't realise I'd made. Oops. Yeah, and, and you know, oftentimes in games like this, I will just wipe fresh and start over. Yeah. You know, take the things that I've learned and move forward from there. But because of the way this game seems so accommodating in theory, to making those changes, I'm like, well, I can do this fairly easily in my head because all of the stuff is there to do it, but then I look at it and I'm like, but then I do have to do it. And that seems like a (laughs) lot of work. So I'm paralyzed by the choice. Um, Uh. But it is, it's still really interesting and continues, that's the other thing, it continues to add so many elements. Because while all of this is going, I feel like I'm wasting time if I'm not researching new things to build. But I haven't built any of the last five things, because I'm still trying to get the early ones in a system to where I like them. It's a nightmare. Uh, it's it's horrible. Um, and, and really fun and a, and a pretty good game. So, yeah, anyway, that's me. Uh, what about you, Jim? Um... I was going to say, because we, we say what we've been playing at the beginning, um, and I said I only play Pokemon, but I did replay for Twitch. I replayed D4. Oh, I watched that, yes. Yes! I, I, I popped in and saw it too. Yes. Oh, we need to talk about that a bit, yeah, because I need you to play Spy Fiction. I still don't think you have. I No, I, I, really, do sh- I really should play Spy Fiction. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, like, I'll have to to find some time or see if I can get that run in for Twitch or something. Oh, yeah, it emulates super well. So, oh, cool. yeah, yeah. But yeah, D- D4, that that fascinating game that never got finished. Yeah. Yeah, you think a Shenmue game's unsatisfying in its conclusion. I mean, uh, like, I, I love D4. Yeah. I think it was a great game. It was the only game on Kinect that I genuinely loved. It And it worked so well. The motion stuff worked so well. And on mouse, it's still quite fun. Um, mm. But motion is where it where it made its home. It's got I know QTEs get a bad rap, but sometimes they can be good. And D4 has the best quick time event sequences, just the best. They are like the action scenes where you are swiping around to perform ridiculous things, nonsensical fights. Uh, it's just fucking great the writing is really good this was the thing that, that demonstrated that that sweary 65 was like deadly premonition wasn't a fluke yeah play spy fiction <laughs> yeah 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 it's, spy yeah. fiction's just as good as deadly premonition it's just a different milieu it's in the stealth action genre as opposed yeah. to the sort of mystery thing but like all of the stuff's there he's He's been a master from Go. Yeah, it's D4 is definitely on the more surreal end of some of his stuff. It's yeah, it's definitely that's the missing. It's yeah, it's surface level um, surreal. 
as opposed to, you know, some of the things like Deadly Premonition where you might scratch a little under the surface and go, oh, didn't realise that was there. Yeah, D4 is, is very upfront weird. With your sort of like, here is a here is a woman who is maybe a cat or is maybe just a person dressed as a cat. It's very unclear. Yeah, very unclear. <laughs> is, is she a cat? Is she a woman? Is she both? Is she neither? Like, it's... In, in in the past, she is definitely a cat, and in the future, she is a woman. But they might be completely different. Like it's, <laughs> it's great. The way that game is set up, I would fully believe that this human adult man just has an adult woman living as a living pretend cat. Yeah, and I wouldn't bat an eyelid because that's D four. It makes sense. Um, it's full of deadly premonition references, um, which is a, it's a sweary thing. Like there's there's lots yeah. of shared themes. There's always a forest case and. There's always a man and there's always a lighthouse. And the writing is really sharp. Oftentimes the game is stupid, but like gloriously, purposefully so. You're just playing and think this is some of the most absurd nonsense I've ever seen. It's unapologetic nonsense. Absolutely. It knows exactly what it's doing. Um, which is kind of a sweary thing, is where you, to a newcomer you, you, you might think this, these people have no clue. They've lost the plot. But then when, when you actually dig into it, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. This everything is by design. As stupid as it looks, it's all done on purpose and it all ultimately works. Um, but as as you said at the beginning of, of the discussion here, Laura, it was not finished. Yeah. It was supposed to be an episodic thing. Microsoft didn't want to fund anymore because it didn't do very well. And I, over the years since I first played it, I think my mind filled in one or two gaps because I knew that it was on an unsatisfying conclusion because it was basically, you know, it would be like if any episode of The Walking Dead, like any first episode of The Walking Dead Telltale stuff ended there. Like you play The Walking Dead season one and it, and the first episode is all you get. But in my mind, there was a whole fight with the character that's introduced right at the end yeah. that I'd invented over the past few years. <laughs> and then... When I replayed it and it ended, I was like, oh, shit, this is way... This is worse than I remember in terms of, of a satisfying end. There's nothing. Yeah, this is the problem with D4, and the reason why I never recommend it to anyone is... I feel like it's a really hard sell to sell someone on a thing that's going to end that abruptly with no conclusion. Yeah, these days you you really can't recommend it. Like, outside of a... If someone's still got a connect hooked up yeah. and want to just experience gameplay and not think and not get too invested in the story the qte sequences in that are amazing for motion control or if you're a person who's consistently enjoyed stuff that's where he's worked on it's worth checking this out just to go uh, just for a look into a sweary project that was fascinating but went nowhere yeah but but yeah you do have to You've always got to add, like, this goes nowhere. Yeah. There's, there's nothing beyond this, and it does not end with any conclusion whatsoever. I am quietly in the camp hoping that Deadly Premonition 2 will give some closure to D4. Because that apartment from D4 is in the trailer yeah, for Deadly during, Premonition 2. During the, the, the Twitch stream of it, I, I mentioned that. I was like, I hope that... Uh, the same thing. I do hope that we get... And, and knowing Sweary, I think that's likely i wouldn't say it's guaranteed but it's highly likely there will be something in there that that continues and and hopefully wraps up the the d4 stuff even if it's just like some text you can optionally find in some room and it's like oh this is what happened with that narrative like there'll be something to try and offer some closure yeah because I, I clearly he had an idea for where that story was going and and it would it would suck if we never find out. Mm. Maybe they can have the, the character that appears at the end, who is voiced by Liam O'Brien, so you know he's fabulous. Yeah. Like, maybe they can <laughs> just have him in, in Deadly Premonition 2, and then you can fight him and we get that fight scene. <laughs> it, would, it would not be uncharacteristic if, if you've ever yeah. like, played Deadly Premonition to the end, like towards the end with, with a certain character. Mm. There is a, a similar... Thing that happened. I'm trying to be vague for those who haven't played it. Yeah. But there is a similar thing that happens to an antagonistic character that happens in D4. So thematically, it would be on point. Um, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, if I had to choose between episode four of episode two of D4 rather or Deadly Premonition Two, I think I got the best option. 
because I am all about Deadly Premonition too. Well, there's that, and then B, if you'd gone for D D4 episode 2, there's no guarantee you would have got episodes 3 through through 5, and we might have been back to the same uh, monkey paw scenario. A very fair point. (laughs) Outside of that is being wall-to-wall Pokemons. Yeah, I'm like 120 hours deep now. I beat the main campaign you know got to the you know beat the the big boss thing and became the champion yeah you you became the champion and you did the thing did did you go do the other story bit to go get the legendary on the box i kicked it off i kicked it off okay yeah, um, yeah. i went into battle tower with my team that had carried me through the entire game without losing once <laughs> went into battle tower like i'm gonna kick so much ass oh no i forgot Oh, I forgot what they do here, and then had the floor wiped with me, and then rented a team. And now I'm kind of really slowed down on it, because I'm like, right, I've got this party. They are, shall we say, uh, campaign strong. Yeah. But now it's the IV and the EV, and the... now I'm like, ah, this is the fiddly stuff that... I just don't know if I've got time for. Honestly, I can give you a really quick, like, three sentences on how that stuff works now. Because, like, it is it is a lot simpler than it ever was. I looked it up. I looked up some stuff. Like, I know about bottle caps. I've got a couple of those just from, like, battle raids and digging. Yeah. Well, bo- bottle caps are good for your IVs. And in terms of EVs, um, Google what are the best EVs for insert Pokemon. Look, Get a Nature Mint to give it that EVs. Um, shake the tree so you get berries. Some of the berries will lower your EVs so you can start from scratch and make sure you give it the right ones. And use the vitamins they sell in the shop to pay for putting its EVs to where the computer tells you to do it. Yeah, like I, I, I vaguely knew that that was the sort of process. Yeah. But then I've got to do it six times more if I want to... Oh. If you would like some help, I'm happy to... If you give me a list of six Pokemon, I will prepare you six high stat ones of those if you want i appreciate that i'm just at the point where i'm like do i continue or not like yeah there's god knows how many like 200 or so pokemon i would still have to catch i wanted a mimic you and then i looked out looked oh. up the process you go through to get that fucking thing uh i have one i can send you an egg an egg do oh. you want me to send you a mimic you egg that you can I... run around and then a mimic you will come out of it run around and give birth to a mimic you yeah um yeah i wouldn't say no so it's like i i want to stay invested in it but i'm wondering i feel like i'm gonna probably dip in and out until another new game comes out that takes my attention yeah um but i've, I've enjoyed it you know I, pretty much everything i've said about it holds true you know the the things i've criticized are still there to be criticized in terms of some of the presentation and polish and visuals, some of the, the slowness of the gameplay. I still feel that these days, many modern RPGs have, have been able to speed up the process of battling and everything, where it's still a bit ponderous in Sword and Shield. But it's still got that compelling loop, that compelling gameplay loop, as, as they call it. So yeah, I don't regret spending the weekend change that I've spent with it and I've still got that sort of end slate of content to do some of the post-game narrative um so yeah good stuff good stuff overall that's totally fair like I I know that I come to this from a very different perspective in that I get really stuck in that end game stuff but um since we last recorded I finished finished the main story gone and got the legendary that was on the box um as of today, I have now finished the Pokedex, so I've got all 400 ticked off in there, which now means I get a thing that makes it easier to find shiny Pokemon. I've got my first three shiny Pokemon now. I've, I've been off on my quests. I've got... Lovely stuff. I've got the electric dog. I've got the crab with a big rock on its back. And I've got the thing that is a big mountain made up of rocks with some gems coming out of it and looks a bit sort of like a, a dragon thing. So I got I got some cool Pokemon in their shiny forms. And I'm honestly like the the thing that's the the loop that I'm in right now is I've not worried too much about the battle tower yet. I'm I've not even like maxed out my team to level 100 so that I can start doing bottle caps and EVs and IVs and things like that. I've been mainly trying to get most of the Pokemon I have up to a decent level of I could throw any of these in a party and they would be above level 50, meaning that like I that they would be the right sort of stats for battle tower stuff. So uh, I'm currently just running around doing lots and lots of raids. 
uh, getting all the the items from that for uh, making lots of Pokemon grow up in levels really fast. That's kept me longer in the game than than another Pokemon game would have. The raids. I just wish still that the online was was more consistent for me. Pretty much whenever I see you on. I know I can get into a game. So I can tell you what this is. This isn't a problem with Nintendo or with Pokemon. This is with the other people that you're playing with online. The short version is there's an exploit that people found where you can basically change the the clock on your system to change which Pokemon shows up in a raid den. And people will go in, open a raid lobby, see if it's the Pokemon they want. And if not, just quit completely out the lobby and start over again. Which is probably why you're seeing people in that list that aren't me go, oh, someone's starting a raid, and you try and enter it, and you get an error. That is people deliberately opening lobbies over and over to see if it's the Pokemon they want, and then fucking with the clock to get a different thing. That's annoying. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm still going to have some issue with uh, the game's design on this, though, because the refresh oh, yeah. rate for like finding raids and using the the stickers or whatever it is the labels the tags yeah to find stuff and it just doesn't refresh and you see people in the overworld with the search animation yeah and they're clearly looking for a game and you can't fucking contact them get near them it's so frustrating i wish you could just uh, w- one thing i wish you could do is if you see someone at a raid location looking around go and talk to them and it go hey i'm looking for a raid do you want to join mine right right that would so that would that would be perfect. That, that would solve it. That would solve it. But it's, again, it speaks to the ponderousness of a lot of Pokemon game design. Or just worldwide, worldwide lobby. If you go click on it and go, do you, would you like to start your own room or join someone else's room? And then just let it filter you into any open slot there is. Basically, if it if it's multiplayer performed like a multiplayer in almost any game <laughs> since 2012, that'd be fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah, you you are not wrong. It's just they make things so needlessly difficult. They do make things needlessly difficult. But I I still don't care. I am having such fun with this fucking game. I know that I am just really susceptible to enjoying the loop of run around in circles, can I find the thing that is hard to find? But for me, this is... It is a really good distillation of that. No one could deny they do that well. Yeah. Everything is is here as I would need it to be like, I can level up my Pokemon nice and fast. I don't have to worry about their EVs and IVs until the post game, until I'm ready to get around to it. Like, I'm not going to fuck it up if I wait to do that later. And I have a whole host of new places to go shiny hunt so I don't have to run around in that same one cave in Cerulean City and let's go Pikachu shiny hunting. So yeah, I'm, I'm still... I, I'm about 120 hours on my game clock and I am not showing any signs of slowing yet. Nice. But I I have a few new favourite Pokemon in this past week. I have I, I am seriously in love with the Stonehenge with arms. Hmm. It's just it's it's just Stonehenge with a happy little face. And it's so ludicrous and I love it and I've I've been using it in all of my battles recently. I like the um I like Corsola, the the Galeran one. Yeah. Especially with how dark its backstory is. Yeah, the sad dying coral reef. And I love how upfront they are in this kids game for kids, just Oh yeah, climate change fucking killed them. Just climate change killed all these lovely, cute coral Pokemon, and now they are sad faces with the ghosts of coral like uh, surrounding them. It is literally a Pokemon about, hey, you know that cute pink coral reef you love? It died because you used too much coal. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Like we need, we need more games for children that teach them don't, don't support fossil fuels. When I think about all of the like. Things that threatened children, supposedly, when I was growing up, and the means by which we tried to prevent children from getting involved with those things. And and you, you'll relate to this, Jim. I mean, the, the public service announcements in the UK aimed at children, they were terrifying. They fucked me up, yeah. Right? Are you going to go crawling around in an electrical transformer like thing? Oh, thin? God, yeah. Yeah. No. I ain't never going to do that. I ain't, I ain't, I look both not. ways before crossing the road because I've seen what happens to your bones. We just need to be doing that with climate change. Scare the fuck out yeah. of kids. Well, like, can I just say one thing that is nice about this Pokemon game is I'm pretty sure the three primary antagonists are the fossil fuel industry, capitalism, and the royal family. Great. Which, like... 
I'm not opposed to teaching kids those things of the anime. Yeah. My name's Conrad Zimmerman, and I approve this message. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, the whole thrust of the main story, like, it happens on the periphery for the most part because you're focused on the gyms. Yeah. But the whole thing is addressing climate change and sustainability and everything. Yeah, and people who are rushing into short-term solutions for sustainable energy rather than maybe just, I don't know, building a wind farm or something. Yeah, basically someone who wants to keep their way of life going. Well, it's almost like, it's almost like Pokemon is political. It's almost like Pokemon is political with its messages of, we couldn't possibly tell people to use less electricity because we're using too much. Better lean even more into using up the planet. When I was uh, a kid, the uh, pro-environmentalism messages that we were given were always tinged with sadness. It was always so regrettable. You know, it's like, oh, we could have done something. And that hasn't worked. We, we, we are no further along than we were. So now the message needs to be, this shit will fucking kill you. Yeah. That's it. And again, I feel like that's what Pokemon's message is. It's basically, you're fucked. You're fucked. Deal with it. Yep. Uh... There are so many ghost Pokemon now. And I used to have a problem with that, because I'm like, ghost Pokemon should be rare. There was only one line of it in the first one. And then I play this one, and there's ghosts everywhere. But the more I played it, the more I thought, oh, this is because so many of them have been fucking killed. Yeah. This is because so many of them have been wiped off the face of the fucking planet. (laughs) And you see some of these deck entries about, oh, this Pokemon's tail is good to eat. And I'm like, at one point, we've got these humans saying, Pokemon are our friends. We need them for everything. We love them and bond of friendship and all that. And then it's like, oh, here's one that we put into a soup. Yeah, no, you can put you can put slowpoke tails into your curry. That is a findable curry ingredient. Fucking hell, you see? That's why there's so many ghost Pokemon. They were all alive and then humanity killed them while still claiming that they were their friends. Yeah. It's almost as if... It's almost as if... It's almost as if there's politics in Pokemon. Almost as if. Almost as if. Poke politics. Almost. Yeah. Well, it it should tell you how invested I am in in Pokemon. That I've been playing it through this whole recording. I've not stopped because... Oh, cheeky. Because I'm getting a few more raids done because then I'll get a few more EXP candies and I'll make that that little dinosaur evolved into a three-headed dinosaur. That's more heads. That's more heads, which means better dinosaur. More heads, better dinosaur. It's a simple equation. <laughs> That's, that is how the maths work. Yeah. As far as Novembers go, after the initial flurry at the beginning, it's been quite quiet this year. Yeah. Like, the whole... There's been quite a few, like, decent games come out, but... As far as like the big AAA pre-holiday crush, I have not felt the pressure like I have in previous years. Yeah, I've I've not felt quite so overwhelmed. I feel like a lot of it was was October. I feel like we got a lot of it out of the way, you know, last month. Yeah, but yeah, it's not been the busiest November. Which you know, fine. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm not complaining. It's good good for me. Giving me time to you know, I've spent a lot more time with the Pokemon. Um, but not a lot else. Not a lot else at the moment. We had some newsy bits this week, mainly about Stadia continuing to not be great. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm go- I was gonna do. I was gonna do a video on it earlier in the week, but I was like, this isn't good enough. I'll talk about Battleborn being killed instead. Yeah, we'll save that for the second-rate podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Stadia is. Uh, there's been some criticism. There's been, like, the reviews have been like. Oh, this works great. By the way, here's my fiber internet. <laughs> yes, I live in a major city. <laughs> like, because that's yeah, yeah, that's what it's going to be. But but they've been accused of like breaking promises. Yeah. Um, Phil Harrison, the fucking Death Watch Beetle of video game companies, <laughs> uh, making promises that his ass couldn't cash. Yeah. The the big issues that I've seen in the last few days have been, um, they're already having to refund people for games because. This is always this is the thing that keeps baffling me about Stadia. You got to pay 120 quid up front or whatever, and only some of the games you get for free with your Stadia Pro subscription. Some of them you still have to pay for a full game. Um, and apparently, within less than two weeks of Stadia launching, some of those games that you had to pay for at launch are now free with your subscription, so they've had to start refunding people who they charged for those games two weeks ago. Uh, And the other bit is, 
not only um, they advertised like, oh yeah, all your games are going to run at 4K 60, yeah. etc. Uh, not only are lots of the games not running at 4K 60, some of them are running at lower like native resolutions than like the console ports of yeah. those games. Yeah, Destiny is not running at 4K whatsoever, from what I remember. Red Dead Redemption 2 is upscaled to 4K, but is not running officially at 4K. Uh, Phil Harrison said that all the launch titles would be 4K60. Now, he shouldn't have said that to begin with. No one should promise that because that's ludicrous. Mm -hmm. That was a bad call. Absolutely. But it does seem like it's not even half true what he was saying. He's, He's rolled that back now to be... Oh, no, no. What I meant was Uh, we will broadcast over our servers all of the games so that on your television they will display at 4K60. But some of that will be double uh, double exported frames or uh, upscaled stuff. We'll make it work on a 4K60 telly. That's what we're saying. That's what we meant. Yeah, that's basically... uh, Yeah. Like that's the story they're now going with is it's basically basically they're shoving responsibility onto the developers. They're saying, you know, we've done all we can. But you know, that's not going to be good enough for the people who have paid for this pro subscription on the promise yeah. of 4K streaming and they're literally not getting any of it. And that is not at all what Phil Harrison could have been interpreted to have said when he said all launch games will run at 4K60. He did not say we will broadcast all games at 4K60 and it's up to the developer to actually have those games run at 4K60. He did not say that. He said all games at launch will run at 4K60 and that's not true. And you know what? Fair enough if they say they're broadcasting at that rate, but that is not... That's not what they promised. Well, that's... Yeah. While it's technically true that they are running games at 4K60, tangibly, realistically and more importantly, factually more true, is that the people who are paying for this subscription with this promise are literally not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, like, some people have caused an uproar about that, but it's not a massive uproar. It's one that Google's been able to sidestep. I think because some people, some people who've bought it are probably just wowed by the fact that if they do have the internet connection, it does work. Yeah. And that's probably enough of a wow factor right now until the sheen wears off. I think there's that paired with the fact that I don't think many people are using it right now. Like, no, yeah. It's, it hasn't been adopted in the kind of numbers you need to get that kind of angry groundswell. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost similar to the Shenmue thing. Is I I've I know that it's out. <laughs> yes. But it is. But it is not. You know inspiring major think pieces like a major game release word there is not much of a discussion around it it just came out this should tell everything you need to know in that like the biggest challenge stadia had to like has to overcome i think is latency um and they've got a fighting game on stadia at launch i've not seen a single place go what's the latency like for fighting games have they lived up to their over-ambitious promises of whether fighting games will be playable on this. I've not seen a single person talk about that because no one seems to care. Yeah. Yep. 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 (laughs) Just no one's really fussed by Stadia. Yeah. I mean, look, it's... It, it's an inevitability that one of these things will work and be fine, I'm sure. I mean, they just... They overpromise every time with this shit. Yeah. And here we are. And it was it was so patently ridiculous at this point because we already watched Google fail to compete with telecom companies to put in fiber optic. Like they know the issues. They're not blind to it. Yeah. Or they're just so horribly mismanaged and uncoordinated that they didn't think that this was be a, an issue. Yeah. Which is another entire shocking possibility. This is the fucking company that addressed concerns about throttling and, and shitty bandwidth by saying, oh, ISPs will do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, they're not, they're smart. They know that they've got to keep the customers happy. I'm like, what world do you fucking live in, Phil? And it was Phil Harrison, the fucking VP of Google, the, the harbinger of death for every company and console he's represented. The VP of Google, of all people, should know that an ISP is not going to do something just because. Yeah. Just because it's the right because it's the right thing to do, because it's good. Because it's 
customer forward. They don't need to keep customers happy. Where else are you gonna fucking go? Most people don't have a choice. Well, we could have gone to Google if Google had managed to get its shit together and put fiber optic in. Well, yeah. But then a lot of ISPs were fighting that. Oh, weird. Which, again, why would Google think they're doing the right thing (laughs) when their own competitive service has been fought tooth and nail by the very ISPs who they think are going to do the right thing? And not not fought economically in the free market in the way that we think capitalism is supposed to function, but how capitalism actually functions by operating through the legal system to (laughs) obstruct real competition in the marketplace. Yeah, that is what the ISPs did. They were underhanded. They did not want fair competition in a free market. Most of a lot of free market types don't actually want a free market. They want a market in which they individually are free to do whatever the fuck they want and no one can challenge them. So we saw these fucking ISPs, as Conrad said, go through these little legal channels to to basically hold the entire industry back, which is what companies actually do to be competitive. They do not innovate or move forward to compete. Once they find something that works for them as a company, they then try and drag the rest of the world back with them at their level. So they don't have to progress and no one else can progress to challenge them. Yeah. And and for, for Phil fucking Harrison to suggest that ISPs will do what's right for the customer is beyond fucking laughable. And that alone, that one thing should be enough to disqualify Google from entering this market and being taken as a credible force because they were that, either that naive, that basically stupid... Or that dishonest. Yeah, that's a good summary. Yeah. Phil Harrison. <laughs> Goodness. Of of Sony fame and Xbox fame and Atari fame. Uh... I wonder what he'll do after Google. Where, where do you think he'll go? Facebook. He's going to wind up on Oculus. Oh, yes. Oh, uh... God. VR is the perfect place for Phil Harrison for a few years. Yep. Well, I, I could see that. I could also see him ending up at Valve. He could, yeah. I could see him at Valve. No, because Phil Harrison likes to talk to people, and Valve's not into that. Oh, that's true. That's (laughs) true. I think he should start trying to sell us on 3D TVs. (laughs) Do you remember when that was the future? Do you remember when that was the future of gaming, 3D fucking TVs? We should see if he could bring back uh, HD DVDs as a format. Those are pretty good. (laughs) Oh, God, he should should show for HD DVD. This is a great game. What job should Phil Harrison have next? For the next three years. Oh, he, he could go over to Apple. I, I don't think Apple would have him. No, no, probably not. Actually, very specifically, he would be on Apple Arcade. Well, see, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's not like Apple, Apple. I'm thinking Apple's gaming stuff. Very specifically, yes, I could see that. Yeah. He should be a Duracell mascot. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Or he could be the new Energizer buddy. Which one had the bunny? Was it Energizer or not? Yes, it was yeah. Energizer. It was. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to see Phil Harrison in pink fur banging a little drum. Oh. We'll move on because it's starting to be a bit mean. Yeah, yeah, a little bit mean. He does talk a lot of shit though. Have we got any other video gaming things we want to talk about? Oh, we should at least have ten minutes worth. Um, I did a video today about Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, it's doing doing quite well. Yeah. Some good news. And so their press release was a little bit bollocky. Yeah. It was a little bit a little bit bullshit where they were like, it's the fastest selling digital game, Star Wars game, in the first two weeks. Like lots of little disqualifiers and, and uh, mm. rather modifiers to make it seem like an earth shattering world record. But even though they are talking a lot of shit that isn't worth a damn until hard figures back it up. The fact they put out a press release boasting about it is still good and still indicates it's selling well, uh, which, how about that? Yeah. It's a sign that they're happy with how it's selling, which is great. They might still tell shareholders later that it sold below expectations. I I am happy to see a single-player linear narrative EA game Based on a licensed property, but it's actually a good game they put some effort into, with no microtransaction. Did yet. they keep up to that with no microtransactions? None so not, far. Not yet. Yet. Uh, and that it's done well. Maybe EA had 
do more of those. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice? It, it just demonstrates something I've said many times before in that the market for this stuff never went away. They just stopped making them. Demand was there and companies stopped supplying because some new emergent subgenre was popular. So they all rushed towards it. They just swarmed like the Zerg toward it and then just left this other market starved. And we keep seeing that when, when people like Phil Harrison say that single-player games are dead, which is something he said when he had one of his other jobs. It's like, no, it, they're not dead. People still really like buying and playing them. But you can't make every conceivable penny in the world in perpetuity off it. So you're not interested in it. And you would like to be dis- uh, intellectually dishonest about that and say it's our fault and say we don't want them. Millennials killed single player games yeah and we keep seeing it we saw it with XCOM when uh, 2k was like oh no i'll take two like whichever one it was they were like oh no one wants real-time strategy games anymore so we'll do XCOM the bureau instead and then a lot of people were like no we what who said we didn't want it yeah millions of us bought it and liked it they had no evidence it was the same with the horror thing as well they had no evidence backing up the fact that people didn't want it they just said it they just pulled it out their ass yeah and then lo and behold they release a traditional XCOM game and it's fucking successful well that's it i talked to some people i know a while back who had worked on that at the time like it was in development i i think they knew the, the developers knew i i don't i don't i think the publisher just didn't understand because there did seem to like there, that was a troubled development if if i'm not mistaken so hmm. the bureau certainly was and it showed the product was the end product wound up really rough and it's not good i hated the bureau it wasn't great no but you know, I, we see this. We see this reflected in Pokemon Sword and Shield as well. Like how well that sold. Yeah, it is a single player. I mean, there's you know multiplayer battles and all of that, but especially with how bad that runs, most people are interested in just playing the campaign and and yeah. going through that familiar loop. And I'm sure things like the raid battles have helped, but that's not the draw draw. No, but it's a traditional RPG experience. The kind of which not even Square Enix likes to do too much of these days. Yeah. You know, they they throw a bone out here and there with an Octopath Traveler and that. But when they do their big budget ones, they're almost ashamed of their past. So it's like a new battle system every single time we have a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. And yet, out comes this Pokemon game. The same fucking game for 20 years. Yeah. But it's not like there's much competing against it. So people are like, hey, that's an experience I like to have. We'll we'll adopt it en masse. The audience has always been there. The audience for Jedi Fallen Order has been there since 2013, since EA got the exclusive license and did almost fuck all with it. And the Battlefront games are fine and all, in theory, but Star Wars is an adventure film. It's all narrative. There are cool laser sword fights and there are stormtroopers with guns. But people give a shit about the characters and the sense of adventure and the, like, the sci-fi fairy tale aspect. And that's not reflected in Battlefront. There's an audience for Battlefront, absolutely. But like, like, like dyed-in-the-wool Star Wars fans, they want, they want KOTOR, you know? Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic. They want stories. They want characters. They don't just want Stormtrooper multiplayer games. Yeah, but what if we can make slightly more money today and kill the idea for the next 10 years. What if we did that? Because this year's financials would say we did better. That sounds short-sighted and grasping enough to work, you fool! Let's do it! Huzzah! We have solved video games. We fixed them. I mean, at last. At last. I think the industry was just waiting for us to come along and solve everything for them, but... In any case, like we don't know the full figures, and even if they're boasting now, they could still turn around to the shareholders and say, look, we promised you 10 million sales and we didn't get yeah. it, so it's really bad and disappointing. So that could still happen, but for right now, like by it seems like by reasonable, not AAA publisher, but by reasonable metrics, it's doing pretty damn well. Yeah. Which is... At the very least, it's not a flop. And there's a there's a little bit of twinge to it that to see EA rewarded for finally doing something good after years of trying to fleece people. But at the same time, like 
it's something else I can add to my growing, my ever-growing list of evidence of games that people say don't work now that actually, lo and behold, fucking work. Here's my big thought about it, though, is what happens with the next Star Wars game after this? Because there's one of two directions we go. Either... This was a ploy for goodwill so that all of those people who go, mm, no, I don't touch EA, they're, they're bad business practices, will go, oh, they did a good game. Are they good now? Okay, I can buy their games again. And, you know, the next game will have just as many microtransactions and online services and whatnot shoved into it. Or do we see them go, this did well. Maybe we do this again. I, I couldn't predict which way that penny is going to fall, but it could be a trick. It could be just a placating stopgap. It's like you were all mad at us for Battlefront 2. Yeah. Have this kind of game that we could have been making all along. Are you happy with that? Good. Back to Battlefront 3 or whatever um, with its premium subscription or whatever they, whatever the next big thing will be, uh, you know, glommed onto in terms of money-making schemes. So it could, it could all be a trick, a naughty trick, but maybe they'll learn a the right lesson from this, the right takeaway from this, is that people might like more of these? Maybe. Yeah, but since when have they ever learned... They've had so many opportunities to learn this particular lesson. You're you're right. They won't learn the right lesson. (laughs) I just want to call back to a moment from the first episode in which, uh, you know, of season two of of this Mm -hmm. podcast, Jim. And a, and a point at which you gave up hope. <laughs> this is hope trying to creep its way oh, back God. into your life. Fatal hope, the disease of hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, there is a lot of cynicism, and, and it's EA. Yeah. They will always give us more material to be pissed off. They will always give me content. <laughs> Nothing would make me happier, though, to see that that type of content come back into style. But at the very least... This is something I can shove in people's faces. Yeah. I can shove in faces when they're like, single player is dead. Now I'm on this. Now I'm on that. I'm like, fuck off they do. They always have. I would be so happy if we had a few years where just this was the norm. Video games just released and were complete games. I don't even have a problem if it's only licensed stuff that winds up getting this treatment, if that's what it takes. Yeah. Spider-Man was fucking great. Yeah, I will totally play a, a licensed video game if it gets to be a linear single-player narrative thing. Wow, how far have we fallen? This is actually really <laughs> bleak now that that's said out loud. A lot of people said that in response to my original Jim impressions of Fallen Order. They're like, how... How low we've all sunk that a working single-player game that feels a bit rewarding is groundbreaking stuff. Did you know that there are, like, lots of little boxes scattered around the world of Fallen Order? And you can open those boxes and inside are costumes. Costumes and paint jobs for the robot that are just there in the game that reward you for exploring. And you don't... And there's no option to buy them yet. (laughs) (laughs) You know what game keeps me grounded and stops me from getting too hopeful? It's the one on the horizon that keeps acting as my beacon of these online service games that should have been single-player linear narratives aren't going away anytime soon. It's beyond good and evil, too. Oh. That is that is the lighthouse on the edge of the cliffs reminding me not to get too complacent and crash into the rocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be a good game. Maybe, but... I maintain that is the perfect example of a game that anyone you had asked about that is like, Beyond Good and Evil 2, what should that be? The obvious answer, every single person who cared would have said, single player linear narrative, because that's what that series was good at. We say series. It's one game. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and it's... but that, but you're right. That was the the thing that was so great about it, it was the characterizations. God, the characters in that are so good. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I was I was going back over that recently. So so many lovely characters. Double H, the big man in the big suit of armor. He's he's adorable. He's lovely. I love my uncle, the pig man who makes fart powered jet boots. Page is maybe the single best adoptive father in video games. Oh my god, yes. But. Let's not overlook his jet boot. His thought-powered jet boots are amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that factors in. Yeah, yeah. He's he's amazing. Jet, Jade is oh, and it's funny and it's sarcastic yeah. and and it deals with overthrowing a tyrannical government and you know and it says things about 
environmentalism and yeah. like there's so much in that fucking game it's great Pr proving that maybe you shouldn't just trust the people in power and should go collect empirical evidence to try and tear down systems of, of corruption in power and now oh. and, and now in like three months time there'll be uh, an interview with an ubisoft producer who says well we're trying not to make this game too political well <laughs> can i can i remind everyone of the thing that is the biggest alarm bell about that game for me still. You know how in one of the trailers a couple of E3s ago they showed off Jade from the... like They showed yeah. off both Paige and Jade in it. Neither of them is the Paige or Jade you know from the first game. Reminder, this, this game is set in a parallel universe populated entirely by clones who have completely different personalities but happen to look the same. So that's not Paige and that's not Jade. So they've made a completely different game and slapped the name on So it. I have no reason to care about this game. Yeah. Yeah. It's two, it's two new characters in Paige and Jade skin suits. You have really done me a service this day, Laura. My investment is gone. <laughs> yeah, did did you not catch that bit? Nope, yeah. wasn't aware. No, I was surprised how many people that had flown past. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I'm shocked they've whacked a two on it then. I'm shocked they've not just called it Beyond Good and Evil and like had that whole soft reboot thing. Get that reboot energy, yeah. Yeah. On, on top of that, you know that, that main character you keep seeing in all the trailers who has the sort of afro hair and she's going around with the, the, the monkey, the monkey oh, I know this. dude? Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. So that, that you can play as her, but she's a named character in that world. You That's not who you play as. You make your own character and you can unlock a skin suit to look like her, but if you find her in the world and have a conversation with her, it'll be two of her having a conversation, and Fuck no character her. will acknowledge that that's a weird thing. Two things, that's awesome. Second thing, skin suit? That's how I'm going to describe these forever now. Well, like, that's how I've been describing them. Uh, it's... Do we yet know if this is all just an excuse to sell premium skin suits? Oh, I think so. Oh, I highly suspect so. Because this is an always online, perpetual, world, huge, a, yeah. multiplayer, whatever nonsense. It's a live service. That that really cool look of Jade wielding a katana, that's going to be a, a, a purchasable pre-order bonus exclusive DLC bullshit thing. Do you want to play as Jade? You can do. You can wear her skin suit. You mentioned monkey's paw earlier. Like this is a monkey's paw wish. This oh yeah, is no. You. I, oh, you've got the the good and evil. I'm pretty sure I made a wish on an actual monkey's paw at some point and forgot about it because I think they they fulfilled my monkey's paw wish. Yeah, those rat bastards. Where the fuck is the real Beyond Good and Evil Two? Yeah, it's in a parallel universe. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. We 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 are playing a clone that a clone that that looks looks like Beyond Good and Evil 2 but acts totally differently. Right. There's a there's a parallel universe where everyone's a skin clone, but they get the real Beyond Good and Evil. <laughs> and we're real, but we've got the skin clone Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, can I please go move to the skin clone dimension? Let's go to the skli the skin zone. <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that a late title? I think. But you, but you, welcome to the skin zone. <laughs> we may not be real, but our video games are. Did we do it? I think we did it. I think we've done it. I think we've done it. I think we did it. Yeah. But Laura, um, where can people go to find more things of yours, please? Me and my things. Mm. Laura K Buzz in all the places. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Consider chucking a bit of money there if you can. It would really help. Um, LauraKBuzz.com. I post everything, be it videos, written articles, podcasts. They all go there. Uh, I've got some books. Uncomfortable Labels. It's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. It's out now where books are sold, or it's an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. Uh, Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. That is coming out October 2020, a bit earlier if you get it on Unbound. So if you want to order that now, you'll get it a bit before everyone else. I do a bunch of podcasts. There's Pixel Squirt, where I review video game character pornography. Uh, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't video games and do silly skits with my fiance. Uh, I guested on an episode of a, a podcast called Question Box this week, where 
I answered a lot of personal questions in order to uh, to, to win points in a game show format. That was a lot of fun. And there's Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Every season's a self-contained story. I'm on seasons three, four, five, and six with... Comrade Zimmerman. Hey, that's me. Yes, you. What you do? Okay. Well, I do a lot of different things right now. Um, I make pins with all sorts of like pithy sayings and stuff. And by the time this comes out, I should have a whole new set of five out uh, that you can check out, and you can find those at pinfultruth.com. I um, do a bunch of other podcasts. I, as Laura mentioned, do Dice Funk, where I play uh, right now a human wizard. And you can hear me in seasons five and six of that. Oh, what's what's his name? What's his name again? That human wizard. I can't remember. It's it's just so not important. Yeah. Uh, also, I do the spinoff Doctors with Jim, which we uh, got to get ready to record another one here pretty quick. Um, uh, we talk about uh, video game based movies. That's a good time. Uh, we also do a podcast called Boston's Favorite Son, where we have our good friend Jonathan and try to make him famous. And uh, he's coming around, I think. I think he's coming around. He's getting more famous. Yeah, he's getting there. Um, I loved the one, one went up this week. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really good one. So go check that out. Uh, that's on all the feeds. I've come up with a song based on. on the DuckTales bit. Oh, have you? That I'm going to sing to him. Yeah. Aww. Based on the moon theme. <laughs> I'm supposed to see him tonight, I think. <sighs> yeah. He tried to, we were trying to make plans yesterday and it didn't work out, but I think I'm seeing him tonight for dinner, so. Look at him for me, will you? Oh, I like, will. Just, just look at him, but look at him for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll, un- I'll undress him with my eyes oh, for you. Oh, that'd be great. You're welcome. Like, undress him down to the skeleton, please. <laughs> right, yeah, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to stop at the skin. To <laughs> see the skin, like, peel off in a circular motion like an orange. Why stop at the skeleton? Go down to the marrow. <laughs> oh, I would love a hot bit of Johnny Marrow. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so uh, a lot of this stuff uh, actually winds up being supported by a Patreon that Jim has. Yeah. Do you have a Patreon? Uh, there is a Patreon page that you can go on and look at as well. It's patreon.com slash jimquisition. And on there, you can look at the page, and it is on the internet. So that's good for you. No one has to pay anything, but it's always very gratefully, you know, taken. And it gets me to pay people. Let's me run the business. And that's more or less it. I've, I've, I've not been doing it as regular as I like to, but I do have a, a Twitch TV channel as well. Uh, again, Twitch TV slash Jimquisition. Uh, we've been doing some live streams, uh, basically not on a schedule, just whenever I've got the time and the inclination and the energy for it. Um, but yeah, that's that. Uh, and I think that's all that's all that needs to be said. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go back to learning all of my cool pull tricks, um, which, which fats... Crendel is going to teach me. Um, so bye. Bye. Bye.